So the problem that I have is that for this particular episode, I'm hesitant to even do a cold open. What? Well, it doesn't really feel like it's in the spirit of the film. You know? So are we agreed? No cold open? I think this is a cold open. No, no, no. We're just going to... We're not going to leave this in. We're just going to leave it out. This is us discussing. This, sure. is, mm-hmm. this is a sound check. This episode will be all one take. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch movies. <laughs> you want to try that one again? It's, it's a podcast that we haven't done in a bit because my life has been busy. Has it? Yeah, I got a whole new job. Huh. That, that was a long silence. <laughs> you were there while I got the job. I've been working from home this whole time. Where have I been? You've been here. You've been, like, in the other room while Weird. I was getting a new job. Weird. Weird. You, you'd think you'd, you'd have a reaction to it or something. Or is it just... Great job. ...the reality that we exist in now? Yeah, pretty much. Have I always had the new job? Maybe? Hmm. I don't know. You know, it's not like it's been a constant shot. I feel like, I feel like sleep counts as a cut, you know? Mm. Especially in the world of the movie that we watched this week on this podcast where we watch all of our movies. There was no sleep. In sleeping. order from A to Z. Well, no, there was one sleep. There was one sleep. There was? He was unconscious, and that's where the only cut in the movie was. We're talking about 1917, people. Filmed by Sam Mendes. I'm not sure if he pronounces it Mendes or Mendes because he's English, you know? It's mm. spelled M-E-N-D-E-S. His grandfather is from the west indies but they he immigrated from portugal so if it was poor and i'm not even sure how portuguese works you know i would if it was if this was how it's french plus spanish on in on instinct i would say it's mendez but since he's english yeah i'd go with mendez sam mendez and more importantly cinematography by roger deakins our boy you know him All right, that's two on the cut counter, so we're already doing badly. I just had to cut a cough right there. What's the point in cutting it if you're going to tell someone you will cut it? Well, listen, I'm not going to have... That's the lamest thing ever. I feel like I just need to be transparent about where all the cuts are in this. I don't think you do. I feel like it's not like I could just, like Ryan Johnson once proposed, just start over from the beginning of the podcast when we mess up. Like, I just don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is just going to sit and wait in the room every day for us to get there. You know? I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> that definitely did not This was a movie th- that I feel like was memed on a little bit, but was also just generally a really good movie. There Which was- is surprising. Because I thought we were going to have, you know, the same crowd as, um, what's that bad Winston Churchill movie? Oh, God. Darkest Hour? Yeah. Oof, bad. Very, very bad movie. Gary fine, but still bad. No, Gary bad. Ger- Gary bad. <laughs> I feel like we can all safely say, Gary bad. Oh boy. I mean, if you- Put that on a Superyaki t-shirt. If you throw your phone at your wife, I think you're bad, personally. 
He threw his phone at his he wife. He threw his phone at his wife. He's not a good person. He's he's terrible. He's giving I mean, some... like, what kind of phone? And from what distance? Uh, I think, like, a wall phone. Like, a cordless wall phone. <gasps> oh, not like a cell phone. Not like a cell phone. Oh, so this is like, a while ago. He's not a good dude. No. Yeah, I feel like this is a good PSA for our listeners. Gary Oldman sucks, not because of his performances, but because he's actually an abusive, violent person. Who still keeps getting lauded by Hollywood. But you know what? That's just going to keep happening, I guess. Unfortunately. It's true. Jared Leto still has a job. Jared Leto is Morbius. Dr. Michael Morbius. (laughs) You know, I didn't think they could get me. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, yep, take my money. This sounds like a bad time, but I'm going to go anyway. You know Chris is going to go, right? We see all our movies with Chris. He can't. I know we go. see all our movies with Chris, but Chris specifically like likes Morbius as a Spider-Man character. Wait, it's a Spider-Man. Yeah, that's it's a it's Spider-Man a bad character. Spider-Man? No, it's not a bad Spider-Man. Oh. He's from the Spider-Man Rogues he... Gallery. Like he's what? from the Spider. I don't know. If, I don't really know much about Morbius as a character, if I'm being honest. But Dude, I know that Chris, start? who's a big Spider-Man geek, uh, as has been established, I yes. believe, on this podcast and our other podcast, mm-hmm. is very excited that. The, it likes Morbius as a character. Why are we talking about that? <laughs> Time we... to talk about... 1917? 1917. Talk about Colin Firth. I... Talk about Andrew Scott. If you've never heard of this movie, you can guess what it's about. From... You can? Mm-hmm. It's the whole year of 1917. No. <laughs> it is about... I would say... Two it's days, tw- one day, it's 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 one and a half. I would say it takes place in the span of twenty four hours, but re- and really, it's about two hours out of those twenty four hours. If you really, uh, they compress time. I I think we can safely say they compress yeah, time. Yeah, that's a how bit. a movie works. Yes, but <clears throat> but this is a unique situation with the time compression because it's because it's continuous shots. It's two. Continuous shots. It's not actually two continuous shots. They use camera tricks. It's to, all to co- one take. It's all two takes. You know, a play is just a one take. No. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is, but there's no camera in a play. Or is there? Well, I mean, if it's rent, there is. It's all about Mark making a film. Yeah, that's not a good example. You know, not. Nineteen. It's it's World War One. In 1917, so I think that's before the U.S. showed up and did nothing. Wait, what? I'm pretty sure the U.S. didn't join the effort until 1918. I don't know anything about World War One. World War One is fascinating. World War One is what happens when all those empires get through the Industrial Revolution and fully mechanize their armies and try to have an old school territory war. And it was pretty much the last, like... Legit territory war? Well, World War II was a territory war. I thought that was more about, like... It was about Germany trying to... It was partially about Germany trying to conquer Europe and Japan trying to conquer everything else. See, that's not really a war. That's like That a... is a war. That's a war. Well, it's like a, everyone needs to stop this. Because well, it's wild. It, it, was st- it was still a war. that War was declared. Technically, World War II was, like, the last declared war that the U.S. has been involved in. Yeah. So, technically... There were other ones that just got in the way. And ruined things more. Mm-hmm. 
Great job. You know, supposedly the U.S. isn't at war right now. Sure. <laughs> sure. We'll I'll never let's, get out of it, actually. Let's, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. <sighs> this is about Britain. It's hard to talk about wars. This is about Britain specifically and Germany. And was, I guess... Did they have corgis in 1917? You know, I think that... Not in the movie. But did the... I guess there wasn't a queen yet. I don't think she had been born yet. Yeah, no. No, well... But she's probably born with a corgi. No, I don't think I don't think she was. No? When she came out and they handed her a corgi. I, I don't think that happened. Though there are corgis That's when canon. she's a, a, like a five or six year old in the king's speech. So... I think she was born with a corgi. You think, she, you think as a gift to her, as a baby... Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a corgi puppy. Yeah, they put her on a corgi. She rode a corgi around mm-hmm. Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so off the rails already. That's our which podcast. is really weird for a movie that Called is off the rails. Kind of pretty specifically on rails. Yeah. Because well, of I the know. single shot. Oh, I know. Oh, great. Well, Pulling it back. Okay. Uh, well, you don't know. All right. Are you saying there's no railroads? Was that what, is that the joke you were gonna make? I wasn't gonna make a joke. I'm trying to get us back on track. I just got us back on track. No, you, you didn't. You derailed us. Oh no, the rails are back. There were no trains in this movie. No, I mean all the tracks had been destroyed okay. and bombed out. So it's France. It's France. 1917. If you didn't know already. <laughs> it's just Is it that funny? <laughs> It's going to be funnier it's every time you a do it. chubby face boy and a normal face boy. Uh, no, they're chu- best friends. A chubby face boy and a skinny faced boy. Yeah, they're best friends. So I guess skinny faced boy is kind of the norm for like British boys of that era. One of them real good at maps. The other one, I guess, is just the friend. They said, pick one. And he said, this one. <laughs> and then... Well, I think one of them's a corporal and one of them's a... They kind of spun around three I don't times. Know if like sergeants and corporals? And they were like, all right, go for it. Okay, no, they're two young British lance corporals, so they're like one rank above private. Which means nothing. Yeah, they're not officers. They're not at the top. They're <laughs> not... They're, they're grunts. They're not telling anyone else what to do. They're grunts. They've been sent on this mission. To go find his brother, Rob Stark. Which is like weird. No, not that weird. Go find your brother? Like, why? Well, okay, you gotta understand, the practice of like not everyone being enlisted... In a family, like, being allowed to have enlisted in something was something that wasn't really common until World War Two, you know? And, like, brothers, like, be, brothers tended to end up being in the same units and stuff. This was, this is actually part of why Saving Private Ryan is such an interesting story, because the concept is that he's one Very of three. similar. Yeah, he's one of three sons, and he has to be saved because the other two have died. After, you know, the big deal of the three brothers who drowned in Pearl Harbor. And what? Oh, that's a real thing. That's why they changed oh. the policy so that brothers wouldn't be in the same unit. So that the entire family wouldn't... We're just going to shake up the probability die a little bit. They could all still die, but <laughs> at least it won't be at the same time. <laughs> Congrats, we fixed it. But this isn't about brother- brothers not dying even. It's specifically... He's sent because a unit is about to... Uh, a unit further up the lines further into enemy territory, is about to launch an attack that is, in fact, a trap. They're uh, trying to lure... The Germans have pulled back in an attempt to lure the British to overextend themselves so that they can just take them out. Why didn't they send a telegram? 
Because, as they said, the Germans cut their lines as a parting gift. Okay, why didn't they send a pony? Usually the uh, a horseman goes and gives the well, message. Well, we watched War Horse. Uh, World War Two was World War One was not a great place for a horse. Hmm. There were a lot of dead horses, but why did they have to go through the through no man's land? Yeah, because that's the only way to get past where they are. Hmm. You see, trench warfare it, it was really fighting over inches. Really, kind of dumb. Well, it's it's that's why it's so fascinating because you get because you see the British side and it's all wood sandbags and stuff like that, and then you get to the German side and it's a concrete embankment that they've like fully mined in and dug in. You know, I feel like the I feel like even though we only see the Germans directly like once or one or two times, their presence is like really felt in the movie and is really meant to like. It's I think through the visual. The set design and the set dressing, I feel like Mendes does a really good job of contrasting the two. Or at least yeah, aesthetically. Yeah, it's like cold and like mm-hmm. uh, hard and off-putting. Whereas, whereas it's it's kind of like the Tolkien thing, you know? where the, Which, you know, he can say all he wants that the Lord of the Rings wasn't inspired <laughs> by World War One. We We know. It's all he knew. We know. It's like... It's... The British side is, I feel like, more... You, you you see more of nature. It's like messier and more ramshackle. And the German side is very regimented. But then when they get into the barracks, they see all the like photos and like the food and stuff. And it looks kind of similar. Like the actual nitty gritty and the reality of the enlisted soldiers on the German side mm-hmm. isn't that different from what they see on their side either, which I liked a lot. That entire bunker scene is terrifying, frankly, because they're going in expecting booby traps and then they finally find one. And it's not even their fault that they trip it. Because it's the rat. Remember? It's not that rat's fault. It's he not... found a really good bag of something. And he was going to drag that to his little hole. I mean, it was, it was German cured meats, babe. I know. I, uh, yeah, I would do that. You and me both. You and me both. We'd go for some speck. That's Italian. Oh. But yeah, it really is speck, it is, it is. It is kind of. I just so associate it with you and your yeah, grandmother. Yeah, me too. I guess we're Italian too. Well, I mean, you're Austrian, so like the Alps, there's a lot of transfer. You know, Gunther, the very German-sounding guy who runs, uh, who's the team principal for Haas, the one who's like, we're gonna be, are we gonna look like Vankers or are we gonna look like Rockstars? <laughs> you know, he lives in Italy. What? <laughs> there's a lot of crossover in the Alps, mm. is what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. I am talking about Formula One on this podcast that has nothing to do with Formula One. Because that's what I'm into now. <laughs> I feel got like, a lot to catch up I on feel like the listeners. Just, yeah, because it's been like two months since we've done an episode just because life has been wild. Life get wild. Life get wild. There's a lot of stuff to watch. There's a lot of movies in theaters. There's a lot of movies to watch for Halloween. And it's like, we, we didn't even get to do a Halloween special this year. So we put you on the back burner, friends. I'm, we're sorry about that. This is our formal I'm apology. not sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, personally. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Julie and Julia next time. Early, early spoiler. Okay, it's so. It's going to be fun. We got our chubby face friend and our normal face friend. The chubby face they friend. They made it to the German barracks after sliding over dead horses and people. Yes. And the, this what, rat inc- fucks. Incredibly what? well done, like, sculpting yeah, on, like, the bodies yeah, and the horses Yeah, it was, like, fantasy movie level, like, apocalyptic, like... 
nastiness. It was really good. And this is where we it gets fun because high fantasy is so traced back to Tolkien. Yeah. That World War One is the standard World for the War fantasy One movie is apocalypse. high fantasy at this point. It, it, well, I mean, it, it, it birthed it. It birthed it. It's a hundred years ago. More than a hundred now. Jesus. Oh, wow. Just like yesterday, you know? It is interesting, though. So they get to, I mean, they get to the farm, they get to a farmhouse where there's a, where they've cut down a bunch of cherry blossoms. Like cherry trees that are in full bloom because the Germans, like, they really are, like, trying to destroy all the resources in the way. They're turn and burn. Yeah. And it's. They're like Sherman. There's the wonderful, the I think or this really poignant line though, where um, chubby face boy. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna start saying his name. <laughs> Blake. I don't know if you should bother Tom, at this point. Tom Blake. Tom Blake, who's the younger one, who's not as much of a veteran as the, uh, as the skinny faced one, Schofield. <laughs> George Mackay. It's uh, a good his, name. His character, Schofield. Mm-hmm. It is <laughs> very English. Um. He says, when he see, he's like, well, we had an orchard back home. In cutting it down, they're just all going to, like, drop their seeds and sprout next spring. Oh. And it's, that's kind of a lot of what this movie is about, is the is resiliency. Mm-hmm. It's about the ability to, even though you're knocked down over and over and go through all of it, that you can still get back yeah. up and keep going. Yeah, even though you can't see the end. Yeah. It also makes a pretty good argument for the pointlessness of... The repetition of war, I think. Oh, by the end of it, it absolutely does. Cumberbatch's character is literally that argument. Okay, so. So, they find the cow with the fresh milk, the the milk that's still warm in the bucket, implying that the Germans were literally just there. And then the dogfight happens, which... Well, not really a dogfight. Well, yeah, they do watch them. They watch the dogfight. And then when the British plane hits the German plane, the German plane crashes into the barn and they try to save the and German pilot. And it catches pilot. on fire. And it catches on fire and they try to save the German pilot. Which was a mistake. <sighs> Which is what any decent person would do when they see a human being burning in a fiery plane crash. And the German pilot, all he sees are Englanders and he stabs Blake. Which like wild... But I guess he thought maybe they would, like, torture him oh, yeah. or do something they, I, him. I'm sure. They didn't realize that he was going to, like, go get him the milk. And Schofield was going to go get him the milk and, like, try and save him. Because of the language barrier, I'm sure. Yeah. It's... Ugh. That's why everyone should learn German. It's... it's <laughs> well, it's just another demonstration. Like, what victory was he, a downed pilot, winning by stabbing one Englishman? Right. Yeah. There what? I mean... Ugh. And then Schofield shoots him, and then, and then Blake dies in his arms, asking him to write to his mother, and save his brother. And it's just an incredibly played death scene. I think very well done. The lack of the lack of the camera cuts uh, of cuts really like drives it home because you have to like you can't look away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let you look away. That's I think. The power of the shot in this movie, frankly, because it forces you to take in. It can't jump away. It makes you take in what's actually happening on the scene, on the screen. And ugh, it's kind of brilliant. Kind of. And then Schofield 
picks himself up, finds a he finds some friends. Well, the friends find him. They pull up literally minutes after. Which they wouldn't have been able to save his friend. Blake dies. It wouldn't have done much good. Or is that your is that your non medical opinion? Your your opinion as a as an EMT? I mean, he lost a lot of blood. There was no making suppose, it out of there. I suppose they probably couldn't have given him a field transfusion or anything. They didn't. Huh? They didn't know blood typing back then. <sighs> yeah, I guess this was like just after the Nick, huh? Only like yeah. You saw years. how many people they killed in the Nick because they didn't understand how blood transfusion works. Yeah, a lot. A lot. A lot of people just bleeding out because they couldn't do anything. Gosh. <laughs> I still think about when he realizes he could use the vacuum cleaner for suction. <laughs> and it's like, dang! <laughs> uh, Andre Holland's so good in that show. Okay, so. Mark Strong is there. Our boy, Mark Strong. Whoever that is. Known for playing villains in a bunch of movies and Merlin in, in Kingsman. Why don't you just say so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Mark Strong. I, I personally really love Mark Strong. I think he's a great actor. He's great in this, and he catches a ride in the uh, the truck with the uh, with the other guys who are moving to another a new posting. And there's a ridiculous officer whose voice we hear and is waving around a riding crop, but we never see his face, <laughs> which feels like a satire of the English upper class, which is yeah. fun. Oh, we didn't even talk about Andrew Scott. Who? The hot priest. What? The hot priest there's from no Fleabag. Priest. The hot priest oh. from Fleabag, who plays like the grizzled lieutenant. Lieutenant on the uh, lines who lets who sends them across with the flare gun, mm-hmm. and who's like, when you get shot, toss it back. I do so hate losing these. <laughs> and it's but he's he's doesn't who doesn't understand the point of their mission really, and is like, this is pointless. It's it's all pointless. We've been here. There's, and I think in that see, scene you start to get the. Pers- I feel like you feel like Blake is the main character because it's his brother they're going after, you know? But if you watch that opening scene where they're going through the trenches, the camera stays with Schofield the whole time. Hmm. So it's like a subtle, like, hinting. It's like he is actually the protagonist. So it's 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 foreshadowing his death in a way, I, th- I think. And the fact that he's able to save Schofield and not vice versa feels very poignant. <sighs> okay. Mark Strong, he's in the truck with the, uh, with the, uh, what's the, what's the term for when, uh, for when something is not of the time? Anachronist? Yeah, with the anachronistic, um, the, the anachronistic unit in the back. What was wrong with them? Well, I mean, they were integrated. It was an integrated unit. There was a, there was a, were they a separated trooper. Still yeah, no. No, no. So that was definitely on purpose, though. No, yeah, well, it was absolutely on purpose. Because it was Mendy's trying to acknowledge the reality, the the actual current reality, present reality of the UK, being that it's actually multicultural and inclusive, or tries to be. Uh, certain folks, Nigel Farage, <coughs> Boris Johnson, might have some problems with that message, but uh, I'm not English. I don't know. Yeah, I, was, I feel like you're spitballing here. I, I mean, I, I know who those people are. I, anyway, he goes with that unit and hitches a ride with them until as far as he can go without diverting from his trail. There's a really poignant moment where the truck gets stuck and he gets out and tries to push it. And then everyone else realizes what he's doing and joins with him and they fail like three times and keep going. Again, the theme of resiliency. 
Mm, I feel like that's just every war movie. <laughs> Not every war movie. A lot of movies are about the pointlessness of war. Are they? And because in a <sighs> okay. way, making it just kind of makes a point for war. You see, this is the this is the thing. I feel like, as someone who is arguably a pacifist in these ter- in terms, at least in terms of like foreign policy, mm-hmm. I feel like I can read any movie as an argument against yes. that is war. Like, any war movie is an argument against war. Like, a lot of people argued that Saving Private Ryan made us more ready to invade after 9-11. I are... But even though it came out before, like, the Twin Towers came down, but because of the, like, patriotism inspired by that movie, I'm like, yeah, this movie was about patriotism. It was also about how much of a toll war takes in human lives and in... And from people. It's about the cost of war for people. That's, that's kind of how I see most war movies. Now, there are some movies that are like, oh, no, this is actually pro-war and we should not. But, like, I don't, I tend to watch those movies once and never again. Like, I feel like, I feel like The Patriot, you know The Patriot? Heath Ledger, Mel Gibson. I don't know if I've seen that one. You should, I think you would enjoy it, even though Mel Gibson fucking sucks. Um, Because Jason Isaacs plays the villain. The, uh, the English Dragoon. <laughs> he plays an evil cavalry, cavalry <laughs> officer, which is frankly the best kind of villain you can be. See George Wickham in Pride and Prejudice. Um, <laughs> okay, so. That's yeah. a pro-war movie, I would absolutely say. So that, Schofield leaps off the bus at some point. And He's has like, sniper, we've gone far enough. And has a sniper battle, which is cool. I don't know how the heck he knows where he is, because it just, it all looks the same. He's like, well, he's this the, is the point, I'm that, here. At that point, he's in the bombed out town. Wait, I think they do announce what town they're at. Yeah, 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 and that's why he jumps out, because he jumps knows out. he has to go, like, whatever cardinal direction it is from Yeah, there. I don't know how he makes it at all. He just well, decided I mean, that's this is the, the direction. Sun. That's because you you know which where the sun rises, so you can figure out cardinal directions from that. Mm, you would think so. Okay. Which way am I pointing? This should be easy. east. No. North. The... No. There's only two more. West. No. South. Oh my god. But the sun rises in the east. Yeah, the it sun rises, rises that way. That way. We're pointing different directions for the people that can't see. Okay, it rises like. Yes. The... Okay. Okay. East. I'm thinking of this specifically. In... Okay. Okay. The wow! Way I think of it, Who knows directions you're, you're right, now? You're right. You're right. The way I think of it is, I twenty goes that way to get to no, Augusta. No, you can't Atlanta. just the interstate curves. I don't think do inter- a curve. But the same general direction. The sun doesn't. That's change. east. That's west. That's south. Sun that's does not change. Decatur is north of here. To get to Decatur, we go that okay, way. Okay, well, we should use the sun or the moon. <laughs> the moon does change. And now you use the stars. Okay, don't use the moon. You use, you use the the North Star. But the stars change too. No, the North Star doesn't. That little dipper, he changed all the time. No, but like the one star and in the him guy doesn't. With the the belt? sky rotates around that. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Polaris Anyways, is a fixed right. point. He hops off the bus. Oh my god. He it's not a found, bus. He finds this the like. The bombed out town. There's a sniper in a bell tower trying to shoot him. As he's trying to Which, cross like, a very, broken bridge. Very saving prior, Private Ryan. You just say that because the sniper was like the main, like one of the main guys. 
But also, sniper warfare was a thing at that time. It still is. It yeah, still I've, is. I've played Assassin's Creed. There's always there are no sniper. snipers in a. Sa- Not that you know of. With an arrow? I mean, Robin Hood. Well, you're always Do you on the roof. Do you remember the Taron Robin Hood? Oh, where it's like Robin Hood, but like no, the Iraq War. That was a mess. Where he's like in a, in a right. core of archers and they're all fully wearing like American Iraq War body armor. Okay. What so. a mess. Jamie Foxx is Little John. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. <laughs> okay. He shoots. He, he, he has to like battle his way up. He has to, like, get to the tower and actually make his way to the top. But why? Because he doesn't know if the sniper's actually dead yet. He knows that he's clipped the sniper, but he doesn't know if he's dead yet, and he can't actually control the t- move through the town while the sniper's still alive. Can he just, like, zigzag and hide and stuff? He can try, but he, but we know if there's a sniper there, that there's going to be a German presence in the town. Mm. So a sniper taking pot shots at him is going to alert other Germans. Wake him up. Yeah, exactly. And he has that great... And he opens the door and they shoot each other at the same time and it clips him just a little bit and knocks him out. And that's the first the first visible cut of the movie. The only visible cut. And then he's dead. Of the movie. Or at least we think he might be. And then he wakes up, and I love this, with a flare going off in the in the uh in the sky. It's the middle of the night. Or I, I guess very late in the night, very early, uh, early in the morning. And a flare is like lighting him. And you see the lighting just moving through the ruins of this town. Yeah, I feel like that's, that, I feel like that really sets this war movie apart. Oh. Is that they really embrace the darkness? It's because it's Roger Deakins, baby. <laughs> Roger Deakins. It's the man who made the big Lebowski. There was no bowling in this one. No bowling in this one. Did he make the Big Lebowski? I just need to be I sure. No. I, no, I'm pretty sure he did because he's worked with the Coen brothers on a lot. I mean, Blade Runner 2049, he made that one. That's for sure. That's for sure. Shawshank Redemption, Fargo, A Brother Where Art Thou, A Beautiful Mind, Ugh, Skyfall, which is a, the prettiest Bond movie. Ugh. And like, oh, here's... Here's a, I feel like we've talked about this before, but you know that he served as a visual consultant on How to Train Your Dragon, right? Wow. The whole thing. So, like, he's the reason that those movies look like they have lightning. And I thought that he was going to be on Dune. He was not on Dune. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> he did make The Big Lebowski. And Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Great movies. Fucking awesome movies, frankly. Visually beautiful. So of course, of course he does this. Of course he does this one. He may help Caesar. Mail Caesar. Like that's a movie that did some good stuff with darkness. I feel like we talked about that. Like the sub scene. Oh, beautiful, beautifully lit. This entire movie is beautifully lit, and this the sh- the flare scene in the while he's running through the town really exemplifies that. That and you've got the like really intense string score going the entire time, like in time with the flares popping. Yeah. So it turns out him being knocked unconscious is great because now it's dark and now no one can see him running, except for the Germans that do see him running. Yeah, because flare apparently really bright. Yes. So he do a there's run. the drunk German that he like there's the oh, two yeah, drunk yeah, Germans yeah. and he wrestles one to the ground and like mm-hmm. stabs him with the bayonet. 
And then the other one Which notices him. You don't really expect from him because you—he's kind of more like a sneaky, like, like not or, not really attack people. Or at least, or at least so far he has been. Yeah. But like war forces him to become what he must. Yeah, it was impressive. You also have that scene with the baby, the French baby, and the and the and the young yeah, woman who's he can like hardly talk to this lady because apparently no one speaks French. Which like fair? Why would you? And <laughs> you feel alone. <laughs> There's like a baby in a and it, chest and of the, drawers, and, and the, she's like, "It's not even mine." And the and the milk comes back, the milk that he got at the farm. Yeah, that he's able. He's to, got milk in his canteen, and it's. He's like, "Here, you can have this. You're a baby," and then he leaves him. All it's like poetry. It rhymes, hmm? you know. It's it's the thing that George Lucas says about the uh, original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. Wow. Okay. It's like anyway, poetry. so it, it rhymes. Well, I mean it. Because it does all the pieces come together and link together. The cherry trees, the milk. Because, the... like, then he, then when he finally escapes by jumping off of the waterfall. Woo! As he floats down the river, the cherry blossoms are falling all yeah. around him. Yeah, that was poetic, honestly. And then he goes and into the dam of corpses. People. Yep. And also they're, poetic. They're all floaters. So they're all, like... Hello, Super bloated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got so excited that Thini came over. <laughs> and I'm not cutting this because we're not cutting this one. It's all one take. It's all one take. <laughs> well, you know. And then we... we have the uh, perhaps the most poignant moment of the movie. Wayfaring Stranger. Oh yeah. Ed Sheeran. It's not Game of Thrones. Didn't he sing it? I don't think that I was thought, Ed Sheeran. Let I me, thought we established this. You I'm know what? While you look sure. that up, why don't we go to the concession stand? But we're not cutting! Hi, I'm Brittany, and I have a bachelor's degree in film and television. And I'm Jessica, and I have a bachelor's degree in equine studies. What would happen if we put our heads together? We would come up with the new best worst horse movie. Like a movie where a horse is the best hard-boiled detective the city has ever seen. Or a movie where horses are fighting in the front lines in a space war. We're doing just that here at Cult Classics, a new show on the Pocket Podcast Network. Join us every other Monday for Good Horses, Bad Plots, and all the bad horse movies you never knew you needed in your life. I am very sorry that we have ruined your immersion. You know, if it helps, imagine that we blacked out and we've woken up with a flare shooting over us. No, we're past that part. And then we jumped in a river and it's fine. And we saw a guy singing a song before we went off to a battle. Some West End boy. Some West End. Sam Mendes' background is as a theater director, so that makes sense. Makes sense. It was not Ed Sheeran. You know, I wonder what would have happened if Sam Mendes had directed Cats. Probably would have went a lot better, honestly. <laughs> I don't think you can make it worse. Okay. Anyway, Schofield makes it to the line as the attack is beginning, and he realizes that if he's going to get to the commanding officer to actually call off the attack, he's going to have to run above the trench because the trench is so crowded. Which, wild, because they're Insane. about to go over it. Well, and he, and if he goes over it before they start, then he'll be shot immediately yeah. because he'll be the only target. The man waits for the whistle as everyone is freaking out about the attack. There are men crying and shaking. Well, and like, he tries to stop it. But they, none of them listen they to him because they're like, we, we're, we'll only take an order from our commanding officer. And so he, the attack is forced to start and it's beautifully shot. Wonderful tracking shot. Mm-hmm. And it's locked on him and his face. 
as the entire line is charging behind him and explosions are going off, he's knocked down by one or two. Mm-hmm. Oh. With, again, the super intense string score going the entire time. He magically makes it across. Makes it across, makes it to Benedict Cumberbatch, who doesn't want to call it off until he actually sees the report. Tries to avoid seeing the report at first when he's told. Like, won't listen to him. Well, because he makes a good point. He was like, even if we call off the attack, we're going to have to do this when they decide that we're going to do it in like a week. And we're, and, and we're, we're going to lose everyone again. We're the inevitable. And, it's, and that's, that's where I think this movie makes a point against war, generally. Right there. I don't know. Sure. And then he tells him to fuck off, which is... <laughs> Literally. I love hearing Benedict Cumberbatch say fuck off in his actual voice. You know, like when I think about him doing Stephen Strange, I can oh imagine. Gosh, Steve, I can imagine Doctor. Don't mention that train wreck Doctor in the movie. Stephen Strange. I think it's better than. I th- I feel like you continue to hate that movie just because I like it. It gets so much, worse. You know? Yeah. No, it gets better literally no. every time you watch it. Literally, it does. Literally every time you watch it, it gets better. He's just she worse. Tell, Iron Man. She would tell Edgyafor, amazing. Mads Mikkelsen, exquisite. Tilda Swinton. Mads is the Fine. only good part about that. No, movie. she was tell Edge of Four is the other good part of that movie. And lest we forget, Benedict fucking Wong. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. you you love Benedict. I think you didn't understand why I was so deeply on the Wong train. And I both mean Wong the character and Wong the actor, because the character is named Ma- Wong. Lest we forget. Woof. <laughs> So he's just wonderful. See, he's delightful. He's so good in what we do in the shadows. In that episode, is the necromancer who's selling the the light the souvenir license plates. I just don't understand. Strange and the the bad monk character. Edgyfor or uh, Mads Mikkelsen? No, Tilda. Tilda's oh, character, the ancient one. Yeah, till bad. It's bad. It, it's not it, it, good. It was, it was bad casting bad that they tried choice. to fix with a rewrite. I mean, they could have just if they wanted to cast a woman, they could have you know cast an Asian woman. But also, the stereotype, the character itself is just a. Uh, anyway, so he stops. I mean, the, can I just say that? Hmm? Can I just say? No. I feel like they really made up for that in the Ten Rings. Well, not completely, but I feel like the Ten Rings like saw what could have happened. And then completely, like, sidestepped and rewrote it by making Tony Lung's character, like, an actual human with human wants and human needs and not just a yellow peril stereotype. Yeah, I you really know? don't know what you're talking about. So, anyway. We're talking about... He goes and finds... Shang-Chi, the- Shang-Chi. Yeah. Shang-Chi, the villain in that, was actually, like, a fully realized person. And not just, like, an Asian stereotype. Okay, I was like, where are you jumping to? Anyway. I said similar to you, didn't I? I don't know what you said. It was it was a lot. So, so he finds Rob Stark. He finds Rob. He thinks Rob Stark might be dead, but Rob Stark is totally fine. We're not cutting. We're leaving it in. In the spirit of the film, <laughs> no. we're gonna hear. The, I don't know if they've ever heard this before. You may, you may, you may have you heard it in it the early time. episodes, but you're, you're gonna hear it now. You're gonna hear it. Now. Archie ASMR. Ar, Ar, Archie SMR, Yes. And she's done. Okay. In the in the uh, triage tent, which I love the depiction of all the surgeries and stuff happening as he's walking through. Just like a little bit of extra viscera yeah. for everybody. Ooh. 
the, the soldiers calling for their moms, like uh, their moms. Excuse me. <laughs> I've never gotten that that part. Like, if I'm dying, like that's not who I'm gonna be. Like, yeah. Well, there's other stuff that we need. to I guess they don't there. have dogs. You would call for Archie. <laughs> you would call for Archie. That's who I would want. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Thene. Thene would understand. Thene. Thene. Archie would just pant. Thene yeah. would lick your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. That's find the, him. That's the movie, isn't it? Oh, well, we he, didn't... he tells him that his brother sa- yeah. is dead and saved his life. But then he's so nice to him. He's like, thank you. Yes. And then that's the end. That's the movie. That's it. I love that. One take. I love this two takes because the one cut. Or do you go unconscious with him and then it's just one take? I guess it's just one take if you think mm-hmm. about it. No, it's two takes. <laughs> It's two takes, and really, it's hundreds of takes. It's <laughs> what uh, there. Well, no. th- there was a meme going around that was like, "Seeing 1917 with a film bro is the worst experience because he'll just lean over and say that's a cut whenever there's a cut, <laughs> whenever they hide a cut." <laughs> it is fun though because I kind of I kind of do that on. There's like two spots where I always do that. There's the spot where they move move the camera around the rock, and then they are on the other side of the rock. And then there's when they go into the uh, dark room in the trenches with Colin Firth. And I'm like, oh, yes, those are the cuts. I mean, but they, they do a good job of hiding them. A very good job. I like this movie Did we lot. say anything bad about the movie? I don't think we did. I don't know if there is anything bad about the movie. <laughs> like, Honestly. Like, it's a movie that I think we avoided watching for a while because we were like, this movie is depressing. Well, it's sad. I think it's I was worried movie. it wouldn't stand up. You were worried it wouldn't stand up. Yeah, I was worried that maybe we watched it once and we were like, wow, this is way better than we thought it would be. And then the second time we'd be like, these are all the mistakes. Well, because like when this movie was coming out, we're like, mm, it's 2019. We're still at war. We've been at war forever. Well, there was a bunch of other movies that came out, like Dunkirk and... Well, Dunkirk came out two years before that. That's basically the same year. No. But I think at the time, the I was like, do we need another jingoistic war movie? Like, I was like, do we need a war movie to dominate the awards conversation? Wouldn't it be more interesting to... And there was, like, a lot of hesitance. like, because this is going to be the movie that, that like, everyone's going to like. But then sometimes you realize that the movie that everyone's... That's liked by everyone is, like, liked by everyone for a good reason. Well, and I think we always overlook, like, war is, like, the one shared experience. Like, everyone has learned about this in history, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's... I thought you said you knew nothing about World War One. Well, I'm talking about, like, the collective everyone. Like, not necessarily <laughs> me, but, like, some people paid attention or something, or they didn't have it glossed over in history class. I mean, for... to be fair, my, my senior year, our history class was, like, entirely focused on the 20th century, which was awesome. So, like, we spent a couple months on the conditions leading up to World War One, and then World War One itself, which was really cool, because uh, we got deep into, like, the alliances. France, my favorite France history Ferdinand, class was the art that. history class I took, because it was from, like, early times to, like... The Renaissance? I think so. Yeah, it was, like, the... Like did, first half of our history. So did you get did you get to the like impressionists or anything or just, just no like, just up to like Da Vinci yeah, and that's literally it. like they're like you we got to the end of the ride and he was painting the ceiling and they stopped they're like that's it get out can't go the rest of Spaceship Earth. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Not everything's Disney World. <laughs> But they're, they're unless, they are. They're the ceiling on Spaceship Earth. Unless you believe Baudrillard. And everything is a theme park. Which, in this 
post-modernity it kind of is, isn't it? Well, so their outfits in this movie were pretty boring. They're pretty standard. <laughs> Don't really have much to say about that. We already talked uniform. about the score. <laughs> yeah, it was very uniform. Because they were... <laughs> Should we? The fashion quarter in a war movie. <laughs> yes, you can. I'm sure there's some words way Come better. Come on. Does, I, is, does we should, what if wait, we did fashion? Does what if the did, Little Princess count as a war movie? You know, it is Alfonso Cuarón. We could watch that. Stop. You didn't know that we that were, was. I think every time that, you say that, and I'm like, wow, no wonder it was. I loved it so much. <laughs> Okay, well. And Sir Davos is in it, so like, it's wonderful. It's d- delightful. Anyway. Let's just do a quick roundup. We've, I feel round like. Roundup? I, I mean, time to rate. We should, we should rate, but then I want to talk more about other stuff after this. You, what? What other just stuff? Just for a minute, just for a minute. Okay. You go first. What are we rating it out of? Um, I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Flares? Flares, yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Hmm. Let me, I'm, I'm let me very curious to see what you... No, you are not... Oh, come Just go on. ahead and prepare for it. Come on, you are not subtract... <laughs> Every now and then I think about Daniel coming on and talking about her observations about our rating system <laughs> and how much we bias each other. <laughs> go. You, you, you go. Four point... Oh, one flares. You're so rude. <laughs> You're so rude. You were going to say 4.5, but you didn't want no, us to give the I same rating. I was going to say 4.2, and then I lowered it too because I knew you'd be really 4. optimistic. 5. Whatever. Nice. Nice. Like, it's very good. It is a very good movie. I love it. Yeah. Great job. I think this is the first. I mean, it's not the first time we both rated something above 4. No. At the same time. We've mm-hmm. done it before, but like it does not happen that op- often because you tend to be lower in your ratings and I tend to be higher in mine. So. I'll be honest, it's it's really I I'm very upset that I can't find a bad thing about it. <laughs> it's it's something that I observed. It's a little long. We it's were, a little long. We That's were, the bad thing. We were about talking it. about the podcast the other day. We were? Yeah, we were. We were, and I said, you know, it's it's hard, the, the old what worked and what didn't work format doesn't really <laughs> stick around anymore because as we get deeper into the library, it's more and more movies that we bought we because like, we really yeah. liked and that are really holding up. And the alphabet is stacked. Yes. Well, don't worry. Eventually we'll have to do Rise of Skywalker. What? Yeah. Do we have that? Yeah, because I'm a completionist <gasps> more than anything. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, just get ready for me to talk about Babu Frick and nothing else, because I don't want to talk about that fucking movie. We've seen a bunch of movies in theaters lately. I want to talk have. about it. You I want to talk, talk about, about it? it just for a minute. We saw Dune. I mm-hmm, saw Dune. Mm-hmm. I saw Dune twice. Go see Dune. Do yourself a favor. Dune. It's probably the best movie we've seen recently. Yeah. Yeah. Dune yourself a favor. Oh my god. Never mind. And, Never uh, mind, everyone. Walk without rhythm to the, ruined it. to the theater nearest to you. <laughs> okay, what else did we watch? Make sure you bring some spices for your popcorn. Oh my god. 
Don't okay, be well, shy, Hulud. Tell us all about your how so much you love that, that movie. That was great. See you and next we, time, and then everyone. We saw, and then we saw French Dispatch. We're part of the podcast. And then we saw Last Night in Soho. Which was a yeah, I disaster. Think it's, I, it wasn't quite a disaster. It was a disaster. The whole the thing end. went up in flames. It Spoilers. Um, <laughs> no one's going to go see them. Go see French Dispatch. It's yeah, pretty, see if, French if Dispatch. You li- if you like Wes Anderson. If you don't like Wes you Anderson, don't, definitely don't. do not see that no. movie. You'll hate it. It's charming. You'll hate it. <laughs> I don't know if it's charming. I think it's absolutely charming. It's very West. It's like... It's delightful. It's kind of like heavier Wes Anderson, though. Well, like, it's not quite as light. I mean, none of his movies are quite that light. Like, Moonrise Kingdom is about the failures of the foster care system and children's mental... And children's treatment... Uh, ch- The way we don't take children's mental health seriously... Um, Grand Budapest Hotel is about the rise of fascism. Like, what's Isle of Dogs about? Racism, in more ways than one. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, oh, but you know what we're really excited about? What are we really excited? Going about? to see Spencer. I am pretty excited about going to see Spencer. And you know what? I just found out that The Last Duel is out on digital on November 30th. Oh, good. So. Good. I yeah. don't. Apparently, he's not going to divorce liter- me. Literally every. Well, literally everyone I've been like is like, this movie was underseen. So you need to see it as soon as you can. So like, I don't think it's just us. I think it's just scheduling problems. You know? It's been it's, tough. It has been tough to see all the movies we want to see. Yeah. So like, if you want to go see a movie, go and see it. It's a sacrifice. But it's a really good time to see movies right now. There's so many good <laughs> movies in theaters. Like this is and a if podcast. If you have a vaccination, it's pretty safe. Exactly. This is a podcast about watching movies at home, but I just oh, I miss the theatrical experience so much and I'm very glad that I've gotten to have it so often. So That's great. Yeah. Go see movies. We're members of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include cult classics. Mm. Pokemakers. <laughs> Sorted. Oops. <laughs> and and others. I've There's been lo- busy. We're, we're, we're not cutting. We're not cutting. No. We're going to power through it. One take. Our music is by the organ machine. Yes. Remember the name of our called, best friend's band. <laughs> the song is called Oil Witch. It's off of their first EP, Parallels. They have a great single called A Fire. It's wonderful. We've talked about it every episode since they came out with that single. But you know what? You should go listen to it again anyway. It's really good. They've got more shows coming up around Atlanta eventually. <laughs> Solid endorsement. <laughs> Solid endorsement. I've been to their two most recent shows in Atlanta. They always We've been to them. We've been to. Yeah, they never fail to impress. It's a good time. Probably and I'm not just saying this because they're my friends. They are Well, kind of. No, in, I'm not. In, in I'm not way. I genuinely think that they are one of the best bands, if not the best band playing around Atlanta right now. Wow. Like in terms of just how yeah, solid the okay, atmosphere they so have is. Just go listen don't to them. Buy. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. This is home viewing. Don't buy any more DVDs. You did it! I really should be blu blue rays now. One take. Nobody looks at it that way but you We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying I never saw the one Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket